something slightly different. Um, you'll know if you've, um, if you've noticed that over the, uh, over the last few months and on into the next few, every now and again, not very often, but every now and again, we are um, we're giving some talks that, that relate to faith, COVID, lockdown recovery. Uh, this has been probably, I mean, who knows what the future holds, but it, probably it is the, the strangest period of history that any of us have lived through. Um, and it seemed appropriate just to, to try and do a little bit of thinking, um, try and reflect from a, from a Christian perspective on some of the things uh, that, um, that we've been facing. Um, anxiety is one of those. Uh, lots has been, become clear about the, the way in which the pandemic has caused anxiety to, to rocket. Um, in the first couple of months of the pandemic, um, about half of us in the UK, uh, the survey showed, were reporting high levels of anxiety uh, that February, March, uh, back last year. Um, did, did the, the, the studies over the subsequent months and, and the average score of anxiety uh, nearly doubled from 3 uh, to 5.2. Um, some researchers have identified what they are describing uh, as COVID-19 anxiety syndrome. Uh, this syndrome manifests itself as the inability to leave the house because of COVID-19 fears, frequent checking for symptoms despite not being in a high-risk scenario, avoiding social situations or people. In the paper, they discussed the way in which, um, the, the way in which officialdom was, was unintentionally using fear as a method to ensure compliance, uh, uh, you know, telling us to, to, to keep to the regulations. Uh, that may have increased uh, our feelings of anxiety and excessive worry. Um, personally, I would, I would just kind of wonder how unintentional um, would, would be my reflection. It seems to me that, that probably that was part of uh, the way in which um, we're expected uh, to, to get that sort of compliance. So, while health anxiety is nothing new, it has certainly seen a real surge uh, during this period uh, of COVID, which has intensified us. Uh, many of us who um, have never felt obsessive uh, about our symptoms or, or about washing our hands have suddenly found ourselves opening doors with our elbows, um, uh, which we'd never have done before. So what, what is this thing, health anxiety, then? Uh, well, here's one simple way of describing it. Uh, it's when you spend so much time worrying you're ill or about getting ill that it starts to take over your life. Um, here's one person's description. I'm always at the doctor's surgery because I often worry about having something wrong with me. Last week, it was tingling in my hands and arms. I thought it was the first sign of something like multiple sclerosis. Uh, the doctor did some tests and said it was nothing to worry about. At first, I felt better, but this week I have a headache too. Maybe I should go back just to make sure. So, so typically, um, uh, this would lead to a, to a sort of hypervigilance um, in relation uh, to physical symptoms, um, being super aware of every ache and pain, every, every lump and bump, every itch and tingle. Um, and when such symptoms do arise... Um, uh, being terrified that, they are, that they're a sign of something really serious, a, a dread uh, of, a, of an awful disease, uh, which leads to exhaustive research getting on the internet, uh, tracking down all of the different um, uh, sorts of rare and perilous conditions uh, that it could be. And of course, you can, you can see the way that that just intensifies um, sense of dread and fear. It's why medical students, actually, um, uh, are particularly prone to anxieties about their health. 
you would be amazed at how many cancers and genetic disorders I had during my years as a medical student. Because uh, you're constantly reading them and thinking, wait a minute, that sounds a bit like me. Um, and away the anxiety goes. Um, and the worry is, it, it sort of has an obsessive uh, quality. Um, uh, what if, just suppose, how can I be sure um, are prominent elements uh, therein? What, is th what if this is something serious? How can I be sure that food wasn't contaminated? Um, um, how can I be confident that I shouldn't go and see uh, the GP about this particular symptom? Round and round uh, the worry goes um, in our heads, uh, leading to terrible visions uh, of catastrophes, of, of sort of medical um, awfulness. Um, and such feelings and thoughts um, lead to changed behaviour, um, avoiding things, um, avoiding uh, risky situations, avoiding sick people, um, perhaps avoiding exercise. Um, uh, and all of this, um, you can imagine, um, will be intensified um, in somebody's experience um, in this COVID era. But of course, um, you might be thinking to yourself, well, but, but we, we do need to do a little bit of worrying about health, don't we? Um, uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be right to just sort of be completely negligent about our health. Um, and that'd be right, wouldn't it? And, and in fact, we must sort of sit somewhere on a spectrum, mustn't we, from very low levels of worry about health to very high levels of worry about health. Um, and in, in a sense, we could relate that to, to the, the, the famous bell-shaped curve um, that you'll probably have come across somewhere or other. Um, and when we do this in relation to stress, um, the, the relationship between amount of stress and performance um, fits this bell-shaped curve. Think about the classic driving test example. Um, really high levels of stress when you come to your driving test. So you're a bit shaky, can't change gear, um, frozen and, and, and anxious. Well, you're not going to do very well. You'll probably fail your driving test. But really low levels of, 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 of stress, you know, utterly laid back as you approach your driving test. You know, mirror, indicate, maneuver, oh, who cares? No, I don't bother. I'll just, you know. Well, you're going to fail as well. That's no good. Um, so you need that sort of mid-zone um, in relation to stress and performance. Well, you can see the same thing applies in relation to anxiety about our health. Don't care very much about my health. Don't bother about my diet. Don't bother about some exercise. Don't really care uh, about going to the doctor when I'm poorly. That's not good for health. But at the other end of the extreme, that's not good either. Worry too much about your health, high levels of stress, does all sorts of things. Um, produces um, stomach ulcers, um, raises your blood pressure, um, uh, can produce all sorts of skin conditions as well. Lots of medical complaints are, are associated with high levels of, of stress as a, as a causative factor. So, with all of that in mind, um, it does mean that there is a bit of a vicious cycle uh, going on. You can't really see the, the, the words on this, but you'll get the idea. If a thought comes into my head, um, um, maybe I'm poorly, uh, maybe there's something wrong, maybe I've just exposed myself to something, and I start to feel anxious. Well, anxiety has physical symptoms. I start to get a knot in my stomach. And pretty soon, the knot in my stomach, I'm thinking, oh, I've got a knot in my stomach, perhaps that's stomach cancer. And so I do a little bit more worrying about that. And you can see the way round and round um, a cycle like this will go. Now, all of us uh, are able to worry um, in this kind of way. Um, all of us, I guess, at some level, will be identifying with the kind of things that I'm describing. 
But some of us, some of us are more prone to it than others. We, we vary. And there are some of us who, who, who are much more prone to anxiety. Um, others of us are, are much more prone to um, self-sufficiency um, and to independence. Now, if this morning we were going to think about independence and self-sufficiency, we would find lots of things that Jesus would have to say about the spiritual dangers that come with that, uh, leading to pride and the like. Um, big spiritual dangers there. But as it happens this morning, uh, we're going to think about um, that tendency towards anxiety and some of the things that Jesus has to say about that. We just differ, we vary, um, and this is just our focus uh, for today. Uh, and as it happens, the next bit of the Sermon on the Mount, um, uh, verses 25 onwards in chapter 6, Jesus has lots to say um, about our tendencies to worry and anxiety. Um, and Sarah's going to come and read that for us now. So our readings from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. So that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of those. If that is how God clothes the grass on the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you, need, what you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Thank you very much, Sarah, for reading that for us. Um, now, forgive me, these services are shorter than our normal services, and I need to go fast. Um, so forgive me for that, and particularly forgive me if in going fast, I end up inadvertently giving the impression that I think sorting anxiety out is easy. I don't. Um, I know from my own personal struggles in this area that it is far from easy uh, to manage our anxiety and our struggles. Um, um, but Jesus does have some really precious things to say here, um, uh, and I'd love us to, 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 to work our way through them. 
um, and to see them and to try to profit from them. Um, and to do that, um, someone said it was a very sort of slightly paradoxical thing to do on Trinity Sunday um, to have not three points, but six points. But I have got six points. We're going to go quickly. Okay, here we go. Six reflections from Jesus on anxiety and worry. Here's number one. Number one concerns getting things in proportion. Do not worry about your life, Jesus says, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look, Jesus says, God gave you a life. He chose to create you. How could you possibly imagine that he hasn't then got a plan for your life as well? Jesus is arguing here from the greater to, to, to the less. If he's done the, the really great thing of actually giving you a life in the first place, of course he'll then take care of your life and ensure that it works out to fulfill the very purpose for which he brought you into being. Um, and that purpose is much more than just staying alive. Life is for something. And that something is defined by God. So if worrying about your life stops us actually living that life in the way that God intends, then we've, we've ended up in a very peculiar place. Life is for more than food. It's for more than clothes. It's for more than health. There's no point desperately trying to preserve our life if in that effort of preserving it, we, we stop using it for the very thing that it's for. That would be a very strange place to get to. Um, so, life is for something, and it's for God. Um, point number two um, has to do with provision. Uh, and here, instead of the argument being from greater to less, the argument moves from less to greater. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus says, listen, you've got a God who provides. Look at the birds of the air. They, 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 don't, uh, they don't squirrel things away. They, they don't store stuff up. Um, they don't worry about the future, but God provides exactly what they need. And if he does that for them, and they're just birds, of course he'll do it for you, because you're much more valuable than they are. Now, Jesus' point here is not that bad things never happen, nor that there aren't some people who go hungry. Now, Jesus knows both of those things. What he is saying is that there is a God who is in control, a God who is able to provide. So we shouldn't act like it's all down to us. It doesn't mean do nothing. Uh, birds busy themselves, don't they? They, they sort of, yeah, they're flapping around all over the place, pecking away for worms, busy, busy, busy. Um, it, it's not an argument for passivity, it is an argument for trust that God can and does provide. Uh, which leads to, to point three, which is an issue of perspective. Where Jesus is urging us to, to recognize what we are and are not capable of. Can any of you, Jesus says, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus says... Listen, who do you think is in control here? Do you really think you're in control? You don't have the capacity to control things. 
that the future is not yours to, to, to maneuver and manipulate. Do you think you can decide when or how sickness will arrive? We're not capable of that. Jesus is saying, get, 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 get some perspective on yourself. Remember who you are. You're not God. So we think we can control stuff, but we can't. We think medicine can sort everything, but it can't. Two people are sick in hospital with the same condition. They get the same most excellent treatment. One lives and one dies. And the medics scratch their heads and they can't work out why. Because they're not in control. None of us are in control in that kind of way. So, so why worry as, as if it all depended upon us? Um, imagine it this kind of way. Imagine that you do end up living to 90 years old. And then from, from 90 years old, you gaze back on all the decades of worrying that you did. All of the places you didn't go. All of the things you didn't do. All the people you didn't see. All the possibilities you didn't seize. All because you were worrying about something that never ended up happening. You never did get sick. You never did need hospital treatment. And it wasn't your worrying that kept you healthy. It was simply God's plan. God's in control. He, he determined to bring you into being in the first place, and he will determine when your life comes to an end. It's him that determines the span of your life, not you, not me. So, so by all means, let's, let's wash our hands uh, and get our exercise and eat sensibly and visit the doctor when we feel sick. But, but do all of that knowing that in the end it, it's God and not us who controls the span of our lives. And point number four from Jesus uh, uh, concerns the issue of permanence. Um, in some ways, uh, this little bit of Jesus' teaching is similar to point two about the birds of the air. Um, just as God provides for the birds, he also provides beauty uh, for the flowers. The difference, I think, here is in the emphasis on time. For where flowers come and go, you and I, we last. Um, we have got, this is the time, time of year, we've got some of these flag irises in our garden at the moment. Um, uh, they're my favorite flower. Uh, they, they come out um, just about this time of year. Um, and they last about 10 to 14 days. Uh, well, you can see this one's just on the turn. And it's one of the last ones in, in the little bunch. Uh, they're brilliant. But it's just two weeks. And then they're gone. Um, they disappear. Um, Jesus is saying that that's how it goes um, with flowers. Um, you know, just temporary beautiful for a time. And there's an interesting sort of note there, isn't it, that Jesus cares about beauty. A um, little sideline there for you to consider. Um, uh, beauty matters. Um, but the beauty is just transient. And Jesus is saying, but, but you, or the implication, he doesn't say it, but I think the implication must be there. You last. We're not made for, for here today, gone tomorrow. We're made for eternity. And in Christ... God will treasure us for all eternity. And Jesus is kind of saying, don't, don't you get that? 
oh you of little faith. Interesting phrase, isn't it? You of little faith. What God is it that you and I believe in? If I can put it like this, how big is he? Um, I fear sometimes that we, that we have narrowed down faith um, so that, in a sense, all it concerns is Jesus dying on the cross to forgive me my sins so I can get into heaven. Um, now, I, I do believe in that. You'll be, you'll be glad to know. I hope that reassures you. Um, but it's, it's as if that's all there is to believing. Um, as if God's one day going to get me into heaven, but until then, I'm on my own. God is so much bigger than that. The, the, the saving work of Christ is wonderful. But there's much, much more. I'm going to read a quote now, and I need to apologize for it in advance. It's pretty blunt. It comes from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, but I think it makes this point really valuably and really helpfully. It's a poor type of Christianity, Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, that has this wonderful faith with respect to salvation and then whimpers and cries when confronted by the daily trials of life. We must apply our faith. Little faith does not do this. Now, I, I know that sounds a little bit abrupt, but I need to hear that. I need to, to be reminded of just how big God is. Um, God is much, much bigger than we usually think. He really is in control. Not just of getting me to heaven, but of all the detail of my life till then. We're not on our own. He charts our path. Um, and, and to have great faith rather than little faith does not mean that I managed to be very, very sort of believing very, very strongly. No, it's the size, if I can put it like that, of the God that we believe in. Understanding just how great he truly is. And, and, and such a faith leads, uh, fifthly, to peace. That's what this knowledge of God should bring. Now Jesus says, don't be like the, the pagans, the unbelievers, who run after all these things, saying, what should we eat, what should we drink, what should we wear? Don't be like them. Don't be like that ridiculous supermarket game. Do you remember it from, I don't know, probably decades ago now, because I'm getting old, um, of where they used to, used to have sort of, what was it, five minutes or three minutes in a supermarket with a trolley. And anything you could put in your trolley in the three minutes before the buzzer went was yours to keep. And, and so you run around Tesco's desperately trying to remember where the TVs are and, and ending up in the rice sort of aisle um, and not doing very well. And then the buzzer goes and, you know, that's it. That's what you've got. Don't, don't think life is like that. A sort of a desperate attempt to accumulate stuff uh, before the buzzer goes at the end. No, life is so much more than that. And your father knows what you need. You have a heavenly father who provides for you. Trust him. Um, and therefore be at peace. Uh, which leads finally uh, to Jesus' concluding comments about priorities. I really love this subversive ending. Um, it, it, it's as if Jesus gets to this point and he says, look, I'll tell you what. If you really do want to worry, if you insist, if you must worry, 
Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you something worth worrying about. Here you go. Seek first his kingdom. Now, and worry about doing that. Because that's worth doing. That's the thing that you really should do. So do that first. And then it's a matter of priorities. Not, not me first, but God first. Not material things first, but, but the spiritual things of the Lord first. Not, not my kingdom, but his. Not my interests, but his righteousness. And then do you notice the, the, the extraordinary second part of this phrase? Jesus says, when you do that, when you seek the kingdom of the Lord, and when you seek his righteousness, all that other stuff will be given to you as well. Astounding, isn't it? Once God is in his proper place, then according to Jesus, we will finally be able to enjoy everything else that he gives us. But when God is not in his proper place, even all the stuff that we do have won't seem satisfying. We won't be able to enjoy it as God intends. Well, there we are, six um, uh, highlights, uh, summaries uh, of the teaching that Jesus gives here. And maybe at the end of it, you're left wondering, well, I do worry a bit about my health. I wonder if I worry too much. I wonder where I come on the bell-shaped curve. You know, am I in the right place or is it too much? Um, how is it? Well, here's your diagnostic test, if I can put it like that. If your worries about health, if you find that they are getting in the way of you serving the kingdom and seeking the kingdom of God, if in some way being concerned about your own health is stopping you from loving other people, serving other people, growing in righteousness. If that's happening, then, then your worry about health is a problem. So what to do about it? Um, well, I said earlier on that I was worried that speaking in the way that I am will give the impression that I think sorting anxiety out is easy and that if you just believe well enough, anxiety will just disappear. I don't believe that. Uh, please hear me say that. Um, and similarly here at the end, uh, in giving sort of a minute or so on some concluding practicalities, it, it makes it sound as though I think sorting this out is, you know, there's just sort of two easy steps and it's done. And I don't believe that either. But I want to give you something going forwards. And here it is. Um, first, love God. Let the things that Jesus has to say here about who God is, his greatness, his power, his care, let that worship of God correct our thinking. Let it cause us to remember that, that as we reflect on how great God is and that we are not, that God is in charge and we are not, and that such a God can be trusted not just for salvation but for every detail of our lives. When you see God in, in those big terms, when, as it were, you move from little faith to big faith because you see a, the grandeur, the greatness of God, well, then you will find uh, that our wrong thinking about ourselves uh, will begin to be challenged, will begin to be corrected. And then secondly, love others. Health anxiety only increases when we retreat. 
when, when, when we avoid, when we stay in and we avoid doing stuff, when we, we check symptoms and seek reassurance, uh, when we become more and more locked away uh, in our own unhappy little world, um, our anxiety just increases. It, it brings short-term relief, yes, but long-term uh, deepening woe. Uh, and the remedy is to reverse that to move the other way, to move outwards to people, outwards in service, outwards in love, towards the good things that would, yes, distract us from our anxieties. So find practical ways of serving the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then we'll find that his promise is fulfilled. All these other things, including relief from the worry that constrains us, all these other things will be given to us as well. Let me lead us in a prayer. Uh, our Lord God, you, you know our capacity uh, to fret and worry. Um, the Lord Jesus knew it and spoke to uh, his followers um, because of that. Uh, and we pray that uh, hearing what Jesus has to say to us this morning, uh, hearing this much grander vision uh, of who you are, uh, reminding ourselves what we are not and what we cannot do uh, would speak into our anxieties and our fears uh, and would turn us uh, outwards in worship of you uh, and in love of others. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.